are two friends going through big changes in our lives, just like so many other people that we know. No matter how happy we are, life is always throwing us a curveball. And we have found that having a friend to talk it through and discover new tools with has been key to figuring out who we are now as we evolve through these life transitions. So join us as we grow and learn and nourish our souls together. together. Hello and welcome to the Soul Nourishing Collective. I'm Melinda. Hi, Melinda. It's your soul sister, Jill. Hello, Jill. All right. Well, we are so excited to be here today and we are going to put away our befores. So take a second to bring yourself into this room, take off your shoes like Jill likes to do. I like to do some deep breathing and also just kind of being together in this energy space, I think really helps. I definitely came in to this podcast in a very frantic state and um, just kind of sitting down with Jill for a little bit and kind of talking together and breathing and sharing um, definitely also just has helped. So that will also be part of bringing us into this present moment. So, you know, I typically like to ask you, what have you been curious about mm, today, since? I but I wanted to ask you what you're curious about Well, today. Well, I want to invite everyone into the curiosity conversation that we've been sort of unleashing over the past 45 minutes before yes. we stopped and said, oh my goodness, <laughs> we should be recording this. We should be sharing this because right. we thought that this right. was really a conversation that uh, in some form or fashion that we've all been having. And so uh, friends, uh, soul nourishing collective friends, you need to know that Melinda and I now at this point, after an hour of chatting, have matching um, rose scented yes. uh, uh aromatherapy perfume yes. on because we felt like we needed to let we, we were kind of reaching into our own tool bags but mm -hmm. so yes let do you want to get kind of started I do. okay because we you know what's so great I think about this is that we're you're we're just sort of going to invite you in we're going to catch you up and then invite you into just a which is really what these podcasts are just yes. our conversations right widening um, the is, circle of friends that's right so this is just a joining a, a, a continuation of um what we were discussing so just to catch you up we were actually talking about what do we want to talk about today on the podcast and jill had brought up a really great subject about dismantling because dismantling well I mean do you want to talk about it a little bit about why why you thought about dismantling yeah I mean we were initially maybe wanting to talk about uh some of our reactions to the Barbie movie and we might explore some of that at a later date but but I was continuing I know in the last podcast I was talking about how I was sitting in um a, a little bit of sadness recently mm -hmm. and was starting to become mindful that I was still in a journey of this, of, of stepping through this general sadness and this idea of facing uh, old ideas or labels or concepts or life experiences and facing them in mm -hmm. a different way. And the Sumunk kid from The Dance of the Dissident Daughter, which uh, we'll look forward to. I think Melinda and I, out of our conversation today, decided we wanted to have a book club uh, sort of revisiting this and uh, yes. exploring that book. But, you know, she talks a lot about the journey of 
awakening right um and increasing presence in our life and facing any sort of life life change or shift dismantling is a part of it it is and and as we were talking about it and Jill was sharing a little more about sort of what her thought process has been uh, the last few days. I said, oh, well, you know, that sounds a lot like grief. And Jill was Mm. like, it is. That's what it is. And I said, so interesting because I just literally this morning had a conversation about grief with a friend of mine talking actually to her about what I am identifying as grief in my kids with some stuff that's going on. So anyway, we got into a conversation about that. And so we can just continue on. Is there anything I missed? No, well, I mean, yes. We were talking through how to uh, face these emotional changes or Mm -hmm. these life shifts. Yes. uh, Life life awarenesses. Yes. Um, And we were having a debate on how long should you, you know, not not that there's a should. I started to say a word. Yes. That I'm now a little bit more aware of. That you were you were talking a little bit about being aware when grief starts to define who you are or yes. it starts to become a part of your character. Do you want to define, you know, describe a little bit more what you were talking about when I was saying, well, I'm aware that I've been sitting in this truth yes. for a little bit of time and I'm aware that it's not fully defined yet. Right. This, this general I last podcast I was describing it as melancholy or feelings of being blue yes but it wasn't something super specific but throughout time it's becoming a little bit more clear of what this general sadness is Mm -hmm. and it it's leading me to this next level of uh facing some truths and dismantling some narratives that I had yes um uh, and, and I'm in this place of like, no, I need to sit in this for as long as I need to. Mm-hmm. But you, and I was responding to what you had shared about, uh, just don't l- let yourself define yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't let it become a character trait. That's character that's, yes. trait, which is so I, I, don't, I hope we're not putting the cart before the horse here a little bit, because okay. I think we probably want to talk too about, I feel like I have like the backup music. Just because I think we also need to talk about things that we don't recognize as grief and how grief can kind of be an underlying emotion. But we can, we can definitely talk about this now. We'll just, um, we just may be flipping it. It doesn't matter. I think if you find yourself in grief, find yourself dealing with and recognizing that you're having some emotions that you're identifying as grief. As we've said before, I think it's extremely important, you know, that you take time. It's it's not just extremely important. I would say even crucial that you take the time to sit in those emotions for a period of time and feel them. We are created, designed to feel sadness, to cry, to feel grief. We would not have that emotion if we were not supposed to use it and supposed to feel it. And, of course, in today's society, we have a tendency to just over-intellectualize everything or uh, to believe that we can't be publicly sad, that it's somehow a sign of weakness. And that's, I think, been really detrimental to us as, as a human race. So what I had said to you was, I think absolutely you need to sit in it and feel it It's just that you need to also make sure that you're cognizant 
of not letting it begin to seep so into your life that it affects everything else that you do and it becomes a character trait. That's a tricky thing to say because grief is, a, as are many emotions, it's a many-layered thing. Mm, Many-layered. And just when you think that you have dealt with it, it creeps back. And it's not something that just goes away. Mm-hmm. But it's something that we learn to mold into our days, mold into our new, you know, it's the new normals, right? There was a really great movie, uh, well, that I... <laughs> only recommend if you are emotionally strong watching it was called rabbit hole it was with nicole kidman Mm. diane weist oh i know the story well (laughs) you do okay so it's a really great movie oh i've told you this story yeah i no. you go ahead share it share with our friends i I do love it for for me it was just a such a great metaphor that really explained grief to me diane weist is nicole kidman's mother in the movie and Nicole Kidman had had a brother who died of an overdose. And then she also had a son who was very young and hit by a car. Her mother had been trying throughout the movie to, to reach out and relate. And uh, Nicole Kidman had, had said it's not the same because he did this to him. You know, my brother did it to himself, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, they get to a point where they recognize that grief is just grief. Grief is grief. Grief is grief in many forms, which is also something I think we can talk about. And Diane Weiss, when she finally listens to Diane Weiss, Diane says... Grief is like a stone in your pocket. Some days, you really notice the stone, and it's incredibly heavy. Some days, you can, you can kind of go on about your day, and you don't really pay much attention to the stone, but it's always there. Some days, it feels incredibly heavy, and some days, it doesn't feel heavy as, at all, but it's never gone. And I thought, that's such a great... And in the beginning, you also you feel the weight of the stone, right? much more in the beginning. I just thought that was such a great metaphor for uh, grief. So I love that. Well, I think, and I've been mindful of this, and I know I was sharing with you before we started recording today that part of my increased awareness and being present is, is creating greater, uh, the, the, the more I raise my awareness, the more I raise the level of me being true living in my truth and being present with exactly who I am in any given moment Mm -hmm. it's allowing more awareness of more emotions and and, and greater awareness of my environment and you know another thing that has has emerged you know in these past several years is as as we work through the pandemic and and all the societal divisiveness or however we want to describe it, all of the life events that we've all been witnessing over the past several years, Mm -hmm. it's unleashed a curiosity in me. And the way I have initially approached that curiosity is by intellectually exploring it. Mm -hmm. And I've been consuming books and there's just, you know, some people might describe it as an intellectual renaissance. Like I'm reading the Bruce Lipton and the science stuff and I'm, you know, reading the, I'm reading graciously reading history right now and it is that's just becoming a part of my healing process but it's rising to the surface bringing to the surface some hard truths about humanity and mm-hmm. you know humanity's role in in aiding to sadness and, and cruelty in this world and I just feel like I'm just this tornado of 
complex emotions yes. right now. Uh-huh. Well, and I think that, that when you are feeling grief or some kind of difficulty already in your life that you're so susceptible to not being able to look at things without being emotionally affected by them. It makes you a little more vulnerable Mm -hmm. to some of these things that you're witnessing. And I definitely don't disagree that there's a lot in this world to be aware of, to be hesitant about. But I also know that allowing it to overpower us with too much grief and too much anger doesn't do anything but incapacitate us, right? So when you're feeling grief or anger it or any negative emotion, it cuts off the your frontal lobe's ability to fully function. And when you are in, so when you're in grief or in anger, you're not able to think clearly and therefore you're not able to participate as as well and to come up with solutions or um, that kind of thing. So that's why I always caution against getting too, and, and again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't because we are human beings and we feel these emotions, but that's a big part of why I say don't, don't let it drag you down too far, you know, so that it becomes a part of you because that will just cut off your ability to actually reason and think and, and become a good part of maybe the solution. Wow, this is so helpful to hear because I think, I think my, my body is uh, sending me reminders on a daily basis. I think my body has a better sense of mm-hmm. how not to get lost in it. Like today before you came, I just was, again, kind of resonating in this general like melancholy state. And, and I've gotten skilled enough to know, oh, is this a hormone thing? Um, right. what, sure. I, 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 I think my body was telling me, okay, it's not that we don't, we don't know how to define it yet, but it's, it's not a chemical thing. And so I got out all my essential oils and my aromatherapy. Cause I just felt like my body needed a new sense to like wake it up. And I wasn't yeah. trying to be happy I, I just right. want to. I want to clarify. Right. I knew that when I was reaching for some of my my Caswell Amazi Gardenia lotion, it wasn't. It wasn't in an attempt to slather a layer of general happiness over. Yes. The emotion. Mm-hmm. It was just. I needed to discover a new frequency, mm-hmm. and that's why. I, shared with you there's you know a lot of uh new research and discoveries uh, exercises happening now in frequency healing mm-hmm. um so i just knew that i needed to enter bring in a new frequency but uh, overall i was telling you that i'm just more sensitive whether i go to the when i go to the theater or i see a movie like mm-hmm. i am more sensitive i think for me, I can't speak for others, but mm-hmm. coming out of the pandemic and having witnessed so much r- global tragedy, mm-hmm. I'm mindful that I'm still processing that grief. Mm. I went to see Cabaret, mm-hmm. you know, that deals with an entirely different, you know, time in history. But witnessing that grief and then another play this past weekend where I was witch- witnessing another type of grief, like it's like a PTSD mm-hmm. response that starts rising where I know that I'm not just sensitive, the, the, the tears that those moments might bring isn't just a purely a sensitivity and an emotional response to a, 
the storytelling. Mm-hmm. It's that something else is being triggered. Is being triggered. Mm-hmm. And being raised. And up, I wonder yeah. if I think we're seeing a lot of people distracted post pandemic. There is a post pandemic emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. Bubbling in unique and profound ways. And I are you witnessing that? Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. I think there is definitely an underlying grief that a lot of people don't even realize that they feel for the time that was lost. And because it, in the beginning, we thought it was going to be much shorter and it seemed like a respite. But then it became long term and people started feeling closed in, life kind of stopped. And you know what I'm finding in my especially my youngest child, who I doubt will listen to this podcast, so I will say this, is specifically in him. I think all of my kids feel affected by, um, because they all had something cut off. My oldest son lost a couple of years of college. My middle son didn't even get a real senior year and graduation, so missed a lot of high school. And Joshua missed his first year of high school Mm. and was all online this is in no way a political statement as to how things should have been handled, yeah. by the way. I know. Um, it is just reality, the reality of the situation. And as we talked last time, I do love the that saying, nothing's neither good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. So I'm not putting any story around mm-hmm. how that was handled. I just want to put in that caveat. I think it's important. Um, but regardless of that... The, the situation is that our kids missed out on a big part. And I find that my youngest child in particular missed some kind of crucial mm-hmm. maturing and growing that happens in those few years of high school. Raising yeah. up the hands yeah. to yes. that. Because yeah. uh, Belinda and I, her, her youngest son and, and my uh, only child are similar ages. Yes. And it does feel like a a developmental, a crucial developmental stage that would have typically been associated with more socializing Uh was missed. Yes. And, and I will say that I think that there is in those children, teenagers, and actually even in my older kids, I think there is a grief that's, that's somewhere buried deep in the well, as I like Mm. to call it. And I think that, that, they may or may not be dealing with or even recognizing at this point. I think for sure my youngest doesn't recognize it. I don't think that, and I think most kids their age developmentally aren't at a point where they are ready to recognize things that are kind of that deeply foundational almost. You know, there's a big foundation building that's going on in high school and there was so much of that was missed. So yes, so anyway, that said, I think that's another great, you know, what you've, all that you've mentioned is a great point of what we grieve. That is not something is typical, the losing of, you know, someone. So I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but I'm a, I'll, I know you know, but I'll share with our Soul Nourishing Collective friends that I'm a child of divorce. Yes. Um, and uh, I remember my, my parents divorced when I was 13, mm-hmm. uh, heading, heading right into high school. And that was a challenging time for my mother to process. And there was, you know, a lot going on. But I remember that I didn't quite start facing the emotional complexities of it until I went to college. Mm. 
And it, you know, and then in later years, you know, this, this was numerous times an instigator for therapy, uh, initiating force that brought me into therapy that was incredibly helpful work over, over my young life and young and adult life. But I remember a therapist uh, introducing me to research and reading material of how children of divorce process mm. and that there is a studies have been done that children often don't begin to process uh-huh. the divorce and uh-huh. the grieving uh-huh. until they know their parents are safe. Mm. There is, and, and, you know, now that thinking back on this from, you know, launching from this conversation, uh-huh. like I'm now having a totally different thinking and curiosity about it in terms of our, what we've been talking about, the uh, energy field that our body, that we're, we're just the quantum physics world and quantum healing and science uh, community is, is more deeply examining these days. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder if, um, whether it's divorce or the loss of a parent or grief from a global pandemic, mm-hmm. if we knew that when we were in the middle of it, we couldn't quite, it wasn't safe to grieve it yet. Yes. Um, but now we're seeing, at least for me, I'll, I'm not going to talk about anyone else but me. Okay. From my experience, like now, oh. like we're off and running and we're back, mm-hmm. you know, to officing or doing our in-person stuff. Um, and for whatever reason, somewhere my body feels like this is a safe time to process and grieve that now. Mm, yeah. Um, so I just thought I'd bring up that research that I remember being really curious about as I examined the role my childhood, my family's divorce played in me processing my emotions over the years. Well, that's helpful given that my kids, as I've mentioned before on this, are dealing with a more recent divorce that I'm going through or have gone through with their dad. And I definitely believe that grief is a huge part of, of, you know, just the losing of sort of that ideal. And I had to grieve it. That's what I I think I found the most interesting was that I initiated the divorce and was not technically unhappy about leaving that union. However, I definitely grieved for what I, what I realized later was sort of that ideal happy family that I always felt like I was striving for. And that I was finally having to let go of that ideal And that was a very deep grieving that I ended up having to go through. And my kids, I believe, have gone through that to a degree as well. They have told me that they're grieving. They are grieving the fact that their childhood was not exactly what they thought it was. Mm -hmm. So that their their, belief was that their childhood was one way. And then when, you know, I filed for divorce, they realized that. Maybe I wasn't, it wasn't as, everything behind the scenes wasn't as happy and joyful as they had, I guess, thought. And I was sharing with Melinda, like, this is, this is a classic story that whether your family has dealt with divorce or not, that every teen goes through. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's Hamlet. Yes. Yes. We right. all, we all go through an individuation, like, like identifying themselves, a child well, during their teen years, their young adult years, they mm-hmm. will start to recognize themselves as an individual separate from their parents. Yes. And a part of that individuation process is typically recognizing their parent as a, a, 
a typical adult human with Mm -hmm. all of their flaws. Like when you're kid, when when they're little, you're like a god, right? (laughs) Right. No, you're like you know, mom, dad. They're like freaking queen, kings and queens. You have all the answers. Yes. Um, And and then they start to recognize as they step into the adult world Mm -hmm. that they start to see the rose colored glasses come off and Mm -hmm. they start to see the world differently. And I was even recently visiting with a healing therapist Mm -hmm. where uh, I was sort of processing at a different stage in my life. Now watching parents age that, and now I'm stepping into a a different role as a child Mm -hmm. supporting a parent. Um, Not that I'm, at a level that some of my friends are like caring for their parents, mm-hmm. but there's another la- layer or level or stage of individuation that s- is happening in that process mm. um, where I've never looked at my dad any other way other than he, he can handle it all. Yes. Even though I went through that natural mm-hmm. process of he's a dude, mm-hmm. he's got his you know his truths or you know his quirks, mm-hmm. um, but this next layer of oh he's going to need help and it's yes. just I'm just like stepping into that yes and it's already terrifying yeah yeah there are so many different levels of grief it's so fascinating and I think with our parents. There are so many times that we have periods of grief, even if your parents don't get divorced. I think that you are exactly right. And when you are moving into this adulthood, there is a grieving process. And that is a lot of what that acting out is all about, Mm -hmm. is that there is some grief that almost comes out as anger towards your parents that they're not the perfect Mm -hmm. people that you thought they were. Yep. Because that's terrifying right? It's terrifying to us that everything is not as certain as we thought it was. So that's that's a, definitely a type of grieving. And then you move into adulthood. And as you said, we start to move into aging parents and recognizing that they are also not going to be around forever. And they are susceptible to illness and to decline. And that's hard. That becomes a difficult thing to deal with and, and also involves grieving. And then as we watch them decline and all of the different stages that that undergoes then we go through various stages of grief as our parents lose their capacity to be autonomous it's just hit me what what talking this out yes this is why i'm so grateful to have a friend like you melinda (laughs) um just talking this out this Mm -hmm. just hit me this is this is all the general melancholy that I'm feeling Mm. is the uncomfortableness on one end that, oh, my son is growing up and I'm no longer mommy, the queen solver of everything. You fall and I can heal the boo-boo with just rushing to you. Like Like I'm grieving that evolution. I'm grieving the evolution that my dad is aging and that's just terrifying because he's such an important individual in my life i'm grieving my menopausal body and the fact that it doesn't do the things that it once did yes i'm grieving that the work is shifting and 
uh, friends, I'm seeing my friends lose their parents and I'm watching their heartache mm-hmm. and I'm still like, I wish you could see all the uh, modern dance gestures that I'm doing here. <laughs> Melinda is getting to see all of my I am, I'm very flailing lucky. hands, but I'm you can just lucky. imagine I'm still grieving all of the events that we witnessed yes. and, and that I'm researching more deeply. Re- like I am grieving in every direction Yes. I mean, I, I even feel like uncomfortable saying the word grieve, but I, I'm, what I will say is that talking this out today, Melinda, uh-huh. makes me realize that I am facing uncomfortablenesses yes. in every direction from my child to my parents. Mm-hmm. And we know that the Gen X, we're, we're kind of in a sandwich situation yes. to my own life with my own body and my own health mm-hmm. to finances and retirement. Mm-hmm. Like there's, and then... And that's just me. Yeah. Full rainbow spectrum of my life is right. gr- is sitting in uncomfortable new truths and chapters on precipices. Yes. And then I'm watching my friends do that too. Right. And I know we've talked about the reality that, have we talked about co-regulation? Yeah. Well, not on this. No. Okay. So like it, all of a sudden it's making me realize that uh, the the concept of co-regulation keeps rising up to the surface in a lot of our conversations, not just Melinda and I, but with other friends. I, I am by no means the expert to describe what co-regulation is, but it's 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 a natural instinctual energy that we have to know when someone walks in that room, mm-hmm. like when you walked into that room today, you know here. To, at this table and you were you had all the energy I knew I couldn't meet that energy with right. oh my gosh I'm ah! like yes one there has to be a balance of energy mm-hmm. it's and so I think we are also as a society and amongst our friends and in our families having to do a lot of co-regulating right now mm-hmm. yeah I think you're I think you're right but I think I think what you're... That felt so... I got to tell you, my body... I didn't mean to interrupt you, Melinda, but like just finding clarity with that, I can breathe. Oh, God. My diaphragm has released and I feel a full body awareness that I haven't had in several weeks. And having that aha this big kind of moment of really of really fully being able to pinpoint what you are dealing with that alone is going to make it start to heal and i bet you that by tomorrow you're going to be finding your your energy level to be much higher i i'm willing to i would be willing to bet money because once we can identify it then we can accept it and then it, we it, we can heal it and it's just the way our body processes things so that's wonderful. And I think what you are saying, I don't think I know what you're saying, is exactly what we, it's so interesting because really this is what you and I have talked about and kind of how we got this started was everybody's got something they're dealing with. I think, but what, what I think that you're saying that is so important is that everybody's got a lot of stuff they're dealing with, right? This grief is coming at us all from all different directions. Everything that you're naming, I'm relating to, right? Just lost my father almost a year ago. Have a kid who's about to go, my last child about to go away to college, right? Mm. There's grief in that. Absolutely affected by society and and COVID, you know, post-COVID times and, you know, absolutely by all of that. 
my body, same. I'm we're the, you know, I'm a little older than you even. <laughs> but our bodies are not behaving the same way and looking the same way mm. as they used to. And that is, there's grief in that. I think everything that you're talking about, and I don't, it's not just the two of us. I think what, everything that you've said is really hitting the nail on the head for our general population of both women and men. And so I think this is super important and really gives even more rise to why we are here and doing what we're doing because we have got to be able to be here for each other and help each other through these things. And one day it may be your focus might be on your son and one day it might be more focused on your dad or one one moment it might be one and then the other. So, and we just deal with them as they come and it's a, it's layering. I mean, it's like, you know, peeling away those layers bit by bit as we deal with it. I I am being reminded in this very moment the the physical side the physical benefit of speaking out your emotions mm-hmm. um i think i'm realizing that i have consistently had a narrative that uh unloading all my upsets on yes. someone is is more a self a selfish intellectual activity Mm. but as soon as I spoke that monologue or that list out Uh um of of the things that were bubbling up for me recently and how I said that I felt a a deeper connection to my breath um than than I had in a while you know, I'm always talking about the release, the the tapping work, the the body work. I hadn't thought about speaking thoughts and ideas out as another physical form of releasing mm. trapped grief. Yes, and um, and the benefit, whether it's n- not everyone might at this point in their life have. A deep friend like I have in you to be able to talk this out. They might not have the time in their work schedule mm-hmm. to talk this out. They might have a might not have a life partner, but it could be talk therapy. It could be picking up the phone and calling people, mm-hmm. which I think I'm seeing more people step away from social media and mm-hmm. speak. Mm-hmm. There is a power to that, but I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about the physical benefit release emotional benefit of speaking out your emotions Mm -hmm. or your upsets you know I think that's such a great point and I you know we a lot of us are aware uh, especially if you have a kid who has ADHD or more than one as I have you're aware that different parts of the brain right there's a different part of your brain that is connected to speaking things out when you're thinking things through as you speak rather than even texting right or in writing right writing is different than typing they're all different parts of the brain and speaking the thing about speaking things out and and this can also really be with writing but speaking the most is that it turns off that inner narrator or it gives voice to it. It does one of the two things. Some, in some ways, it gives voice to it. And when you're saying something out that is from your inner narrator, oftentimes that's the easiest time to start to identify the lack of truth to that statement. But it, it, So it tends to put the inner narrator at bay or, or expose, either expose or put it at bay. 
So there's, there's something about speaking that is particularly powerful, I think, for that reason. Gosh, I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was a classic girl of the 70s. You know, decades ago, girls weren't diagnosed with ADHD. Correct. Um, right. I was just a chatty Cathy. Mm-hmm. And interesting, I'm watch- I've been watching old child, like old movies of when I was little. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, I have this new lens, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. My body was screaming ADHD behavior mm-hmm. that no, that everyone tied up in a lovely little cute bow of pigtailed social dancing Jill. Yes. But I'm like, does everyone not see the <laughs> inability to be still and uh-huh, um, focus? Yeah. But I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about that, Melinda, that I know my son and I, my son has naturally uh, inherited that uh, ADHD energy for me and my brother, but he and I both have to speak things out. Mm-hmm. And we often physically feel completely different after we, we, we yeah. have fine clarity. Yeah. We have, yeah. um, but I just didn't, I hadn't thought about speaking out your truths as being a way of um, abandoning inner narrators and, mm-hmm. and not allowing the clouded, distracting language to disrupt or yes. enter in. Yes. And I and now I will also say that it exposes the inner narrator in that and I think very often with with I was gonna say with women, I mean I think to a degree men as well, but I feel like women mo- the most, that we when we are speaking, that where the inner narrator is I think evident is when we apologize before we speak a truth mm-hmm. or we, we either apologize or we try to play it down. We add a lot of caveats around what we're about to say to try to soften it or we don't want to be too vulnerable or we don't want to hurt your feelings or we don't whatever. And that is so typical of us and of that narration that is coming really from that collective belief in honestly patriarchal belief showing your emotions and and digging down deeply and honestly into how you feel is somehow weak right it's a it's a weak kind of woman quality well you're raising my awareness of the uh how inner narration can play out in behavior Mm -hmm. and so now i i this is exciting me to come to all of my relationships not just my female relationships but all of my relationships when I when I hear people sharing bits and pieces of a a false narrative Mm -hmm. that I see them expressing about themselves that I don't see Mm -hmm. that that's a wonderful opportunity for me to help co-regulate and remind them because I think it plays out a lot with the with the body image stuff with women yes um or just intellectual uh, insecurities but Mm -hmm. you know if we just focus on the body image how often do women with other women say the phrase I'm fat Mm -hmm. I'm fat I'm fat I'm fat Mm -hmm. I'm fat I look fat I look fat I look fat in this I look I look fat you know like and that's yeah Yeah. (laughs) and that's a really wonderful way for us as women to Mm -hmm. sweep in and 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 Mm co-regulate and ensure vocally out loud resonate with your voice, a truth. Mm-hmm. When I see you, I don't see that. Or when I see you, I 
see your smile or I see, you know, I see strong wood. You know, I always, that, that story that I say about Melinda that day, there was a day, you know, when she was kind of working through uh, a chapter in her grieving process that she just was like, like exploding with confidence and, (laughs) and grounded. There was just a groundedness. And Mm -hmm. I told her, I was like, you, and I had this gesture, you are like strong wood. Like she just was like strong and like unyielding and, so it just was beautiful. It was actually, I told her, it was intimidating. Like I was over, I was like, oh my gosh, I felt intimidated by oh, so the strong energy that was coming. But I think, I, I just have enjoyed learning about co-regulation because mm-hmm. I think sometimes... Do you want to talk a little more? I don't know that you're, you've fully defined co-regulation. I know, because I don't feel like I'm an expert at this. Oh, Jill. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Co-regulating. And again... This might be my false narrative. I, I, I want to, you know, this is not a textbook definition. Right. This is me authentically You're trying to, of it, my understanding of it. Great. Um, the uh, story or this, the situation that I often, the example that would often come to mind is, you know, when a parent sees a young child come into a room crying, mm-hmm. um, or it doesn't even have to be a parent. If as an adult, you see a three-year-old, a two-year-old come into a space weeping and crying, we instinctively, our body wants to come down to their level, mm-hmm. face them, often take, you know, take their hands or, you know, face them, their face, mm-hmm. uh, hold them, hug them, speak to them in a calm, encouraging What's wrong? Mm-hmm. Tell me all about like you know how we instinctively know how to speak to a young child in an encouraging and supportive way. Yes. That's the best way that I think I can describe co-regulation is that our instincts mm-hmm. naturally know how to provide somebody with an opposite energy that they aren't able to find in that moment by themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, just like you said, when I came in today and I was so frantic from traffic and just trying to get here and, you know, running a little behind. And, and then you held space of just calmness. And as we talked, I was able to tune into your energy level and to come down into a more peaceful, you know, uh, energy space. So, that was a great example, I think. I just think it's a really, uh, and and maybe it's this chapter, you know, this age that I'm at, I am uh, witnessing more, I'm seeing or observing more loss mm-hmm. around me, people mm-hmm. passing on to sure. new chapters. Yes. And I don't know what to do. My empathy is like off the charts, like especially when you see a social media post, you're like, oh, someone said something really nice and I want to, I want that person to know how sad I, you know, like that I'm thinking about them. Sure. But I think that just resonance, like holding space Mm -hmm. with someone's grief Mm -hmm. and vocalizing that Mm -hmm. can be a really powerful gesture to somebody. And I, I know I've talked about this before, but we used to have rituals in you know historically in our culture in the victorian era like someone would wear black for or a black armband like Mm -hmm. for an entire year right so anytime that person would walk into any space Mm -hmm. everyone instinctively knew 
I think that that is the code where everyone knew if you walked into a space and someone was wearing all black, mm-hmm. I think people had an opportunity to co-regulate for somebody. Sure, sure. I think that's a really great point that we had a time, there was a time when you were allowed to grieve. You were expected to grieve. And somehow we have gotten away from that. And it's been to our detriment, not just, again, from loss, from you know the loss of physically because of death, but also I think it's made it so that we just don't even recognize our grief anymore. And it's, it's so important, so important. So I would say like the big lesson for today is take some time to pay attention to the things that you might be grieving and have a friend to talk them out with. Call somebody up, as Jill said. Even, gosh, even if you're that talk therapy, if you don't have a talk therapist, but I almost think if you just hit the record on your phone. 100%. Right, and just talk it out because, again, it turns off that inner narrator or exposes the inner narrator, one of the two, and will really help you get it out. So at the very least, try that. I am a big talk-to-text person. Mm. I, you know, I have all always have ideas, and I just open up my Gmail and will send a voice to text to myself. Um, and I think that, that that's, I know I don't want to get too much rambling in, in a, in a voice to text message and I'll find myself speaking in the same patterns that patterns that I would with another individual. Um, but boy, girl, I feel like I made big, big discoveries today. And, um, but friends, thank you so much for, you know, being a, being a part of this circle, this tribe of exploration. Melinda and I really, we feel your energy and the contribution of your curiosity in in this journey. Uh, And I hope that we're showing you that, you know, again, we always say we're not experts at this. We're on a journey. You discovered in in real time today, Jill, sort of discovering an aha. Right. Um, But if you have ahas, if, if, if things rose to the surface for you today that you think would be fun or interesting for us to explore or, or join us in, in a journey. Remember you can message us at soul nourishing collective at gmail.com. We're going to, we have in-person events that we do. We try to have fun. Last time Melinda and I like legit uh-huh. left this podcast and danced. Yes, we did. Like, High school girls, yes. although we, this is just what Melinda and I do on a regular. We <laughs> held each other's hands and we twirled around in my living room and danced to Soul Sister song. Yes. Because um, that's what I needed last week. And that's I right. love that I have a girlfriend or just a friend. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a gender thing that I can just be my authentic, vulnerable self. And you just kind of jump in whatever okay. path that I Well, and ditto. Ditto. Well, you had mentioned. Melinda, go meditate for me and heal me today. Okay, Jill. <laughs> Anyway, it's a lot of fun, and we're super lucky to have each other, and we're lucky to have all of you out there as well. And that's this is part of why we want to just increase this collective of people, because there's nothing better than having this kind of support and friendship. So we're super grateful to you all for being with us. So onward we go. Onward we're going to we get go. continue discovering, exploring, and being curious. That's right. See you next week. Love you, soul sister. Bye-bye. Okay, bye bye.